I have been putting off this episode since Thanksgiving ended, and for a simple reason. Though we've talked about serious subjects before, this topic is a really sensitive one. As in, I've discussed issues that are personal to a lot of people, myself included, but this just puts me off to a really big degree kind of sensitive. It's not only sensitive, but it is just as important all the same. People are divided on the issue and want others to take sides on this issue. However, this issue isn't black and white with a clear right and wrong at all. It is actually gray in color and covered with a thick layer of fog, so dense that it isn't safe to drive in. It doesn't matter what I say here. Someone is going to get mad at my perspective, and not in the usual left or right way. People are being hurt, and as such, people are really scared for their safety, and justifiably so. The heat of this topic was proven instantly when I just posted a little bit of what my take on the matter was on my Instagram story, where I got a lot of shit for calling out both parties, albeit in separate fashions. For those who are sensitive to topics in relations to massacres, rape, torture, and other forms of mature subject matter, then this episode isn't for you. I, I'd advise just waiting till my next episode, which is going to be about less sensitive topics. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Orange Wave, the series discussing progressive news, culture, and all things related to the NDP. I am your host, Will Adams, and before we get started today, I want to clarify that I will not be doing active coverage of the conflict mentioned today. This show is meant to be a socio-economic show focusing on Canadian politics, and it is not a show discussing global warfare. I just really wanted to talk about it because this is a really serious situation, and it has taken the global stage by surprise. This does not guarantee me discussing other global conflicts like the Russia-Ukraine war, for example. Second off, I'm trying to commit to a specific schedule. I'm not overly confident about a weekly one, so I'm opting for now to do bi-weekly. There's a guarantee that a new episode will be released once every two weeks. With that being said, let's dive straight into the story. So... Basically what happened for those who somehow are just unaware of the situation, on October 7th, a Palestinian military group, one that is on the foreign terror organizations list called Hamas, ended up sending missiles into Israel. 2,000 Israelis are dead now. In response to this, Israel immediately sent an airstrike to Gaza, which killed 1,600 people. This comes from CBC News. Adva Adar received a horrifying text from her grandmother at around 8 a.m., local time Saturday, saying there was shooting and shouting on the road in her community, just kilometers away from Israel's border with Gaza. It was the last Adar and other family members heard from the 85-year-old Yaffa Adar. Hours later, an Israel Defense Forces IDF member checked Yaffa Adar's house in Kibbutz Kafar Aza and found it completely broken, Adva Adar said. 
The family's worst fears were confirmed when, after scouring social media, they found a video of Yafa Adar wrapped in a blanket and being driven in a golf cart, carrying Palestinian men. She appears calm, even though one of her captors is carrying a machine gun. Adva Adar told Retours at her home in the town of Lutzwit. More than 50 kilometers away from Kibbutz Kafar Aza, she's sitting trying to show them she's not afraid and she's not hurt. And, you know, if they, ta if they take her, they will take her with her pride. And that's the kind of woman my grandmother was. Armed fighters with the Palestinian militant group Hamas captured more than 100 soldiers and civilians, including women and children and senior citizens. During a surprise assault and incursion into Israeli territory on Saturday morning and is holding them hostage inside the Gaza Strip. It's unclear whether or not the Israeli government will agree to exchange any of its Palestinian prisoners and detainees, which also include women and children, for the release of hostages. The capture of so many people from inside Israel is not only unprecedented, but it may complicate the Israeli military assault against Hamas inside the densely populated enclave. People in Canada are concerned about Hamas followers because of how Hamas wants a day of revenge and how in the course of only a few hours within each other, a Jewish mosque was vandalized with anti-Semitic hate speech in Ontario and another situation where two teens and a grown-ass man made threats to a Hebrew school. A protest that happened that universally every party leader condemned proves that. However, I think people are kind of overblowing it. Not the anti-Semitism, that's very real and very serious, but but that's happening in Canada not explicitly because of Hamas's orders. I did a background check on some of these cases and let's just say the people in custody don't necessarily look very Muslim. Jew bashing has unfortunately been a problem since the pyramids were built. The escalation of anti-Semitism in Canada is being caused because of generally bigoted people looking for an excuse or justification to hate the Jewish. They're less likely to be condemned by some over this. If it means hating Israel by association, the shoe would fit because Judaism is the most popular religion in Israel, as it quite literally is a Jewish state. It doesn't matter what happened with Palestine. The people who did this probably hate Muslims too. Like. Come on. The people committing these anti-Semitic acts right now, they're the same motherfuckers that they were last week. They hated Jews yesterday. They hate Jews today. And you know what? They're probably going to hate Jews tomorrow. And considering how common transphobia and anti-indigenous sentiment are in Canada, I'd say anti-Semitism is actually the most common form of bigotry right now. It's a very unfortunate matter and should always be dealt with head on. Anti-Semitism just as any other form of bigotry is never acceptable. But I just figured I would address that because there has been some misinformation going on about the people involved being Hamas supporters. Next off, before we talk about the next situation, I want to make it very crystal that I do not have any contempt towards the Jewish or Muslim communities or the citizens of Israel or Palestine. I hope that the citizens of Israel and Palestine can make it through this all right, and I hope minimal casualties will happen. With that being said, let's talk about Hamas and Israel for a second. Hamas is a terrorist group who have been doing inexcusable activities. I do not believe that taking people hostage, torturing, 
raping, beheading, or any of those things are acceptable activities in warfare. Hamas is not in the right. It's not like they attacked a military base or anything. No, they sent missiles into a neighborhood. They did this with a big disregard for casualties and violated the rules of engagement in doing so. As such, the Free Palestine Movement is fucking stupid for backing a group like this. That movement should have denounced Hamas, but they are instead backing them because they hate Israel. And I mean, come on, what the fuck are you guys doing backing a group like that? They literally murdered a fucking grandmother on video, they streamed it to her fucking Facebook page, and her family watched her die. That is not okay, and anyone who does say that kind of thing is okay is a part of the problem. And even with all of that being said, I mentioned before that this is a situation where people want you to choose sides entirely and be entirely one-sided. And I'm not fucking doing that. Red team is bad, but I can say just as many horrible things about blue team. Israel, despite right now being a victim of a big attack, is in no way innocent from any of the things I have criticized Hamas for. Israel is an apartheid state that has been occupying another country. They've been doing it for a long time. Look at a map of Israel and Palestine in 1946, and look at one now. You'll notice how it went from being strictly half to barely any of Palestine being left at all. How do you think that happened? Israel as a country, just as much as a group like Hamas, has a huge disregard for civilians, casualties, and humanitarian law. There have been examples as recent as 2022 of what Israel does and continues to do. There is footage you can find of Israeli military raiding homes, they fucking brutalize citizens, and they harm children. According to the UNOCHA, in 2018 and 2019, 156 Palestinians had limbs amputated after being wounded by Israeli fire during demonstrations along the fences separating Gaza and Israel. According to UNICEF, 14 of them were children. The actions of Israel and their conduct towards Palestinian citizens has even been documented on video. Here is a clip of the Israeli military raiding a home in Palestine. And I'm going to give another warning for sensitive content because this is something that make that is really just uncomfortable to watch. Take a listen. Oh, 
Let's not forget that right now, Israel has been shooting artillery shells and rockets that disperse white phosphorus. Israel is quite literally using fucking chemical warfare. And the gas they're using in question causes burns, sometimes down to the bone. It doesn't matter what side you're on, who attacked first. If you're using fucking gas as a weapon, then you're a terrorist. And you're also someone who I do not support. Nobody should support this, at all. But Israel thinks that they, for some reason, get a free fucking pass to commit serious war crimes because they gave a 24-hour ev evacuation notice to Gaza. Oh, yeah, thanks, Israel. Yeah, that's a real fucking treat right there. Giving one million plus people, half of which being children, a generous 24 hours to be forced out of their homes so you don't murder them. Just one question. Where the fuck are they all supposed to go? They're, they could be potentially running into water. Gaza is all that's left of Palestine, and it could possibly be destroyed in this invasion. So what are the civilians supposed to do? Something that's also relevant for a point I'm going to be making in a second is Israeli forces have killed more Palestinian citizens than Palestinian forces or Palestinian organizations, whatever the case may be, have killed Israeli citizens. Here, take a look at this. In 2018 alone, Israel killed 31,558 Palestinian citizens. In that same year, Palestinian forces of whatever variety that they might be in only ended up killing 130. In 2019, Israel killed 15,628 Palestinians. In that same year, only 133 Israelis died. So, I think that kind of sets a pattern. And with that being said, I'd love to ask a simple question. Why do groups like Hamas exist in the first place? Like, imagine being, imagine being a kid growing up and you and your family are doing your thing. Okay? Imagine that. And your apartment, your apartment building gets destroyed by the country bordering yours because they fired a missile at it. Or you're going to bed and the Israeli military just kind of come busting into your house and they brutalize either you or your parents. And that's just something that is commonly happening every day. How many members of groups like Hamas were personally hurt by Israel directly in some way? Like, no really, I'm curious, what the actual fuck did Israel think was gonna happen? Groups like Hamas exist in the first place because of stuff like this. What Hamas has done is unacceptable, there's no defense for it. What I have said does not defend any of their actions. I do not defend any of their actions. However, what I am doing is I'm just making an observation and people do not become this radicalized overnight. It happens dictated by their... What I am saying is that people do not become this radicalized overnight, okay? People have ex lived experiences that influence their political ideologies. What do you think dictates Hamas's ideologies? Going back to Ukraine, for example, are you aware of how many Ukrainian sovereigntists, especially back during World War II, were fascists? I'm not saying that the Ukrainian sovereign movement is based on fascism or Nazism or anything like that, but back in the 1940s, a lot of Ukrainian separatists sided with Nazis because of the fact that they didn't want to be part of either the Soviet Union, Russia, or both. That's an example of it. People's ideologies are dictated by their experiences. 
people are going to side with who they consider the least evil. This situation also proves how fucking useless the UN has become. It is a shell of its former self, and that is completely depressing. This situation has made me flip from leaning on pro-UN to mostly anti-UN. Like, the UN used to stand for something. The last useful thing that the United Nations did was sign the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is a document I believe in. I believe that it is a great foundation for international humanitarian law. But let me just ask you this. When was the last time the United Nations actually enforced these international laws that they created? When was the last time they um, held people who were violating the Declaration of Human Rights? When was the last time they held them accountable? Hmm? I'll tell you, they haven't been. Israel's been doing stuff for decades. Groups like Hamas have been doing stuff for a long time, too. What has the UN done? The UN has not done anything. Why is the UN not doing anything? For that, I'll tell you why. The UN, like I said, it's a shell of its former self, but it is so bad to the degree that the UN, it's just a cool logo to put on a t-shirt at this point. That's it. It does nothing. You know, those summits are cool, like where they get international activists to come talk. But it's not like they, it's not like they're really doing anything with what those activists say. It's just kind of something for citizens of each country to watch. I mean, sure, it's cool to invite Greta Thunberg into a room to talk about climate change. That's fine. It's nice to watch. But what does the UN actually do with the stuff that is said during these summits? Yes, Israel is occupying Palestine. We know that. Hamas has done bad things. We know that. But let's take into consideration for a split second the fact that Israel wants to officially, or no, not wants to, already has officially declared war. Canada should be, and I say Canada because, again, Canadian political podcast, Canada should be advocating for an immediate ceasefire and should be advocating for the UN to do more for peace talks and more for a end to the war. I mean, the UN has went on record and said that both sides are wrong, but they're not really offering a bridge to a solution. Someone in a position of power needs to offer a solution that causes little to no civilian casualties. This is not that solution because it not only causes civilian casualties, but if things keep going the way they're going, then it's very likely that Palestine could just be under full occupation and might not even exist at all in two years. And with that being said, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Orange Wave Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will Adams. If you want an issue talked about on the show, then reach out to me on social media. This series is meant to be an informative podcast discussing political, social, and economic events in Canada and sometimes elsewhere to try and counter the lies of the right-wing establishment media. So thank you for riding the Orange Wave with me. I will see you next time.